And I appreciate it, guys. That's one of my favorite hymns. I love that, that uh, how great thou art, even though I don't use thou anymore. I like how great. Well, they knew how to write songs back then, didn't they? Acts chapter 1, verse 4. I want to talk to you today and probably in the next couple of weeks about the power of the Holy Spirit, the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And my prayer is that God will release a greater touch and a greater anointing, a greater release of His power among us as we go where we're going, as we move where we're moving. We're going to need the Holy Spirit like we haven't needed Him so far. I thank God for the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Now, let's look at the words of Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, starting in verse 4, Acts chapter 1. The resurrected Jesus is meeting with His his disciples. It says, being assembled together with them, He commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father which he said, you have heard from me. He said, I've been talking to you about it. I told you in John 14, 15, 16 about the Holy Spirit. He said many, many things just in the closing chapters of John about the Holy Spirit. He told them in Matthew's gospel, great commission, go into all the world and preach the gospel. But here he's saying, don't go yet. You've got the commission, but you don't have the anointing yet. So he says in verse 5, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Now they start asking him questions. And they said, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Verse 6, verse 7, he answers, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but, verse 8, but you shall receive power. Can everybody say that word with me? Power. This is why the Holy Ghost was given. You shall receive power. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, and in Judea, Samaria, and to all the ends of the earth, including Fort Worth, Texas. All right? Who would have ever thought that Fort Worth was in, the, was in the picture, but we were. And so, amen. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word today. I thank you for releasing a greater anointing of power and effectiveness on us as a people because of the ministry of your precious spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, be filled with the spirit. Now. Yesterday, I did something I'd never done before, went on a long, long bike journey. Me and uh, Steve and uh, Tom Autry and about, oh, I'd say 700 other people met in Burleson and, uh, for a bike tour, and we went on a long tour. It supposed to be 25 miles. It ended up being 30. It ended up being 29.5. Believe me, I know. I was looking at my odometer. 29.5. I've got a little odometer on my bike. And Steve had called me earlier this week, and he said, Now, Pastor, you better be sure you bring water. You bring a big bottle of water because you're going to need it. Be sure you bring that water. If you want to bring something to munch on, do that, but be sure you've got that water. And boy, I'll tell you, I was never more glad I listened to anybody 
about 12 miles into this trip because I was reaching down for that water all the time and I realized that I would not have made it had it not been for that water. Steve knew what I was going to need for the journey and he told me the most important thing, be sure you bring water. Jesus said, I'm telling you, when you're going into the ministry, as you set out on this Christian walk, you be sure you tarry and you wait for the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit of God, because you're not going to make it without it. And I got to thinking about several times in the Bible where God told one of his servants, you better eat this or drink this or take this because you're not going to make it without it. I think of Elijah when the angel was sent to Elijah under the juniper tree and he was running from Jezebel and he was terrified and was afraid they were going to take his life and he was in the wilderness and an angel appeared and gave him the original angel food cake and said to him, I'm giving you this food, Elijah, and you better eat it. Take and eat because the journey is too great for you. The journey is too great for you, Elijah. You're going to have to take the food God has sent to you. Now, church, I'm going to tell you something. The journey is too great for us to do it without the ministry and the power and the anointing and the presence and the help of the Holy Spirit. We have got to have the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm amazed at how so much of the church today won't talk about the Holy Spirit. We're afraid we're going to offend people. We're afraid we're going to run off uh, the, the money people, the big givers, the who's who's in the congregations. So we're not mentioning the blood. We're not mentioning the cross. We're not mentioning hell. We're not mentioning the Holy Spirit. And let me tell you something, folks. We need the Holy Spirit like we need the oxygen we're breathing. Without the Holy Spirit, we will not make it in this journey. Now, I want you to hear me on this one. If I had to take water for a 25 to 30 mile bike journey, I have got to have the Holy Spirit for a lifelong journey through this devil-infested, sin-infected world where Jesus has sent us to be witnesses, sent us to be ministers, every one of us. Your call, I'm not the only one called here. I'm called to stand behind this pulpit and minister the Word of God to you. But let me tell you something, my calling is to convince you you're called. He gave some apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the equipping of the saints, that's you, to do the work of ministry. So my calling is to stand behind this pulpit and inspire you and educate you and inform you that when you got saved, you weren't just saved for heaven. It wasn't just 911 heaven insurance, but you have a call on your life. And I'm here to tell you that we're about to enter into some of that call a lot of us are going to be called upon to minister to people. And we've got to have the power of the Holy Spirit. It is non-negotiable, indispensable. Without it, we will be shot down in flames and we will die in the middle of the road. We've got to have the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Uh, one, one author that I love a lot, Arthur Pink, wrote these words. Until the Holy Spirit is again given his rightful place in our hearts, thoughts and activities there will be no improvement in the church until it be recognized that we are entirely dependent upon his operations for all spiritual blessing the root of the trouble in the church will not be reached 
until the Holy Spirit he finishes up, until the Holy Spirit is honored, sought, and counted upon, the present spiritual drought must continue. End of quote. Amen. He's writing decades ago, we've got to have the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, you've gotten the Great Commission. I've told you to go into all the world, but I'm telling you, hold on, buddy. Whoa, Nellie, stay until the power of the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Because you cannot do what I've called you to do. You will not be effective. You will not reach people. You will not have an anointing. You will not be convincing until that precious, indispensable power has come upon you. Charles Spurgeon wrote, You may read the Bible continuously and yet never learn anything by it unless it is illuminated by the Holy Spirit. Then the words shine forth like stars. Then the book seems made of gold leaf. Isn't that true? Every single letter glitters like a diamond. Oh, it's a blessed thing, a blessed thing, he says, to read an illuminated Bible lit up by the radiance of the Holy Spirit. How many of you know that we need the ministry of the Holy Spirit of the living God? We need the ministry of the Spirit. Now, please understand, let me just give you a little bit of background on the Holy Ghost, a little bit of teaching on the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit. Now, Understand that in the Old Testament times, the Spirit of God fell on certain individuals who had a place of leadership with God's people, but the Holy Spirit had not fallen on the masses, did not fall on the masses. He came upon Saul. He came upon David. He came upon Samuel and the prophets, but only a select few received the anointing, the filling, the touch of the Holy Ghost. Somewhere around 16 Old Testament leaders. But when we get to Joel, the minor prophet Joel, we find an extraordinary prediction. And I want you to hear it. You've heard it many times. Let me read it to you under a fresh touch from the Spirit of God today who told me to talk about this. In prayer, the Holy Ghost said to me, talk about me. Because we need him more than we've ever needed him before. The fires of hell are breathing down the neck of the church. The devil seems to be winning victories among God's people. We have gotten into hype instead of anointing. Things are called revival that are not revival at all. They're, they're triped up hype. We need a real holy ghost, heaven sent Devil stomping, clean, sin cleansing, Jesus exalting, revival from God. He says, Joel prophesies, and he says, In the last day, he says, God, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. All flesh, not just a few, all flesh will receive the outpouring of my spirit. And here's the way you're going to know it. Your sons and your daughters will begin to prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. If you're having dreams, you're old. If you're having visions, you're young. I'm having dreams. God help me. And also on my men servants 
and on my maidservants. I will pour out my spirit in those days. I will pour out my spirit. Do you know what a blessing that is? Do you know what the people in the Old Testament would have given to receive what is available to the church today? Do you know what they would have given? They had the cloud by day and the fire by night. That was the closest thing they got to the ever-present presence of God. But God said through Joel in the last days, what I'm calling the last days, I'm going to pour out my spirit on all flesh. Now, understand that the last days, we hear that phrase a lot. What does it mean? The last days is the time period between the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ and his second coming. When Jesus rose from the dead, the last days began. Else, the spirit would not have been poured out on all flesh. The spirit fell on the day of Pentecost and began to fall on all flesh. And Joel had said in the last days, I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. So we know that when Jesus died, was buried, and rose from the dead, the hourglass was turned upside down, and the grains of sand of the last days began to pour through. What we're in right now is the last of the last days. That's why he told his disciples before he ascended, you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now, because my resurrection began the last days. Now, what happened to the disciples, the church, and the world when the Holy Spirit fell cannot be overstated. It's amazing. The book of Acts, what we call the book of Acts, could easily be called, and, and, and rightly so, the Acts of the Holy Spirit. And they didn't end with Acts 28. The Holy Ghost is moving all over the world today. I met with an African missionary just a couple of weeks ago and sat and talked with him and his sister for a while, and he told me what God is doing all over the world. It's amazing. He said Muslims are being converted to Christ on an amazing level that the media will never cover. God is appearing with angels and the anointing of the Holy Ghost and miracles and deliverance and demons coming out of people all over the world. He said, we're praying about sending missionaries to you. He said, because I look at, I turn on your television and I look at Christian television and what is being said and taught. And he said, I wonder what happened to the good old gospel that shook nations in days gone by. Because I'm hearing about success and money, but not any anointing. Folks, we need the anointing of the Holy Ghost. There is no price tag on that. We need the moving of the Holy Ghost. I'm going to preach the Holy Ghost. I'm going to preach the Holy Spirit. He said, don't you leave until that power has come upon you. Because you will not get anything done without him. There will be no convincing, no conversion, no anointing. No spellbound crowds who are under the sway of the Holy Ghost. The book of Acts is the story of the disciples receiving what Jesus received in order to do what Jesus did. Jesus' public ministry began after the Holy Spirit came upon him at John's baptism. Think about that. And he's our model. His ministry began when he walked into the waters and the Holy Ghost descended upon him like a dove. And the voice was heard from heaven, this is my beloved son, hear ye him. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. 
And from then on, his ministry began. Even Jesus waited for the anointing of the Holy Ghost. The disciples' ministry began after the Holy Spirit came upon them at Pentecost. Before then, what were they? Man, they were running scared. They had no power. After the Holy Ghost fell, churches exploded into existence. After the visitation of the Holy Ghost, the Jerusalem church exploded to hundreds of thousands of people. And when the Holy Ghost fell, cities were turned around and delivered from satanic oppression and witchcraft. Demon spirits fled after the visitation of the Holy Spirit. Can I just read you one example? Philip went down to Samaria. And the Bible says when Philip went down to Samaria, the multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits crying out with a loud voice came out of many who were possessed and many who were paralyzed and who were lame were healed. And there was great joy in that city. Great joy in that city. Joy is not happiness. Happiness is there because of a happening. Joy is there because God is there. Joy is a byproduct of the presence of the Holy Ghost. And when the Holy Ghost has really moved, you will see joy on the hearts of the people. That's why I love it watching you guys leave. I like watching you come in, but I also like watching you leave. Because you leave talking and smiling and laughing. If I saw you leaving like you were leaving a funeral, I'd know I did not preach good. But I know if you leave with a smile on your face and a skip in your step, encouraging God, touched by the Holy Ghost, where you go off into the restaurants and the highways and the hedges talking about Jesus, I know I said something worth hearing. Because the Holy Ghost, this is the ministry of the Holy Ghost. And you know, I think the reason a lot of the churches are afraid of it is because they're afraid the Holy Ghost is going to turn them into something strange. You know, I'm going to get that Holy Ghost twitch or that Holy Ghost jerk, or I'm going to start manifesting and, and be turned into somebody strange. But, and, and so we're afraid of the Holy Ghost. There are some churches literally terrified of the moving of the Holy Spirit. We don't want to become like them down the street because they do weird things and they say weird things and some of them look weird. And I agree with you there. Some of them do. And I think how weird I used to look. But here I'm going to tell you something. When I read my Bible, I don't see the Holy Spirit turning people into freaks. I see the Holy Spirit turning freaks into people. I see the Holy Spirit turning freaky people and withdrawn people and frightened people into people who are bold as a lion. He turns losers into winners. He turns the timid into bold. I see the Holy Ghost maximizing people's potential and changing their lives for the better. I see him turning them into spiritual and intellectual giants. The ministry of the Holy Ghost, we don't need to be afraid of it. We need to welcome it. We need to pray for it. We need to want it. Listen, when, when the disciples heard that many of the people in Samaria, after Philip preached this revival, had not received the whole... Listen to what they wanted to know. Listen to what they wanted to know. After all these miracles happened, it says when they had come down, it says that the, the, the apostles who were at Jerusalem 
heard that Samaria had received the word of God. And they sent Peter and John, the two heavy hitters, sent the two heavy hitters to Samaria. And when they had come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Why? Because they knew you have just stepped into a life that you can't live without the power and the anointing of the Holy Ghost. For as yet... He had fallen upon none of them. They had only been baptized in the name of Jesus. Then they laid hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. Why was it important to the apostles that these people of Samaria receive the Holy Spirit? Because eat this, the angel said to Elijah, because the journey is too great for you if you do not eat what God has given for you, to you for sustenance and strength and life. And we're in a different day now. What has God given us? He's given us his word and he's given us his spirit. And we need the anointing of the Holy Spirit. We don't need to be afraid of it. You need it. If you think you can live Christianity without it, you're sadly mistaken. Now here are some of you are thinking, well, don't they, didn't they receive the Holy Spirit when they received Jesus? Yes, they did. Because no man says Jesus is Lord, but by the Spirit. And so what I find here is they received the Spirit, but then they had a second experience and a third experience. And you know what? We're supposed to be having a daily experience with the Holy Spirit. Angelic appearances and mighty signs and wonders manifested and multiplied after the vision, uh, visitation of the Holy Spirit. Frightened and timid disciples were transformed into spiritual giants after the visitation of the Holy Spirit. Take Simon Peter, who denied Jesus with curses in the presence of one little woman at a fire. When Jesus was taken through kangaroo court, he denied Jesus three times, the third time with vile cursings. But this same Simon Peter, after the visitation of the Holy Spirit, was transformed. He stood up on the day of Pentecost and roared like a lion. And 3,000 people were saved in a three-minute message. What made the difference? I'm telling you, not might and not the power of flesh, but the Holy Spirit. I read recently Billy Graham in his early days was preaching. He was preaching his heart out, having tent meetings, and not many conversions were taking place. Not many people were coming to Christ. He got into a room, a hotel room one day, with another man of God. And the man of God said, Billy, you need a fresh touch from the Holy Spirit. And he said, well, then I want it. I want everything God has for me. And so they began to pray. And in Billy Graham's own words, a presence came into that room. And a presence touched me that I shall never forget. It was powerful. It was love. It was God came into that room and for hours we were under the ministry of the Holy Spirit. The next time I preached I stood up to minister the word of God preached the same word, same message, same gospel and they came down in droves. What did it? The ministry of the Holy Spirit. D.L. Moody, the great evangelist of the 1800s said one day I was walking down a street in New York City and I was just walk, walking along in New York City by myself. I was trying to win people. Same testimony. I've been preaching with not many conversions. And suddenly right in the middle of the street in New York City, something came upon me. The Holy Spirit of God touched my heart. And something took place that I wouldn't trade for a billion dollars. He said, I stood up next time, preached the same message, same gospel, same man, same crowd. And they were converted by the drove.
clothes. What made the difference? The ministry of the Holy Spirit. We are not going to that new building in the strength of Jeff Wickwire or the name on a building or church on the rock or anything else. We're going under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. I'm asking God. I'm asking God to go ahead of us and saturate that area with the presence of His Spirit. And man, if I keep preaching like this, I'm not going to be able to finish my message. Anybody there today? <laughs> Luke describes the Spirit's outpouring in different ways. Listen to the way Luke described it. He says people were filled with the Spirit, that they received the Spirit, that the Holy Spirit fell upon them, that the Holy Spirit came upon them, and that the Holy Spirit had been poured out on them. But so prevalent was this ministry of the Holy Spirit that all these different adjectives were used by just one of the apostles to describe it. But the effect was always the same. They received power and their lives were changed. Now, who is this Holy Spirit? To some of you, you don't even know what I mean when I talk about the Holy Spirit. To you, it's like some fog out there, some ethereal fog or a force or, 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 or some, some intangible presence that, just, that, that, that is impersonal and, and, and impossible to ever really get to know. What does the Bible say about the Holy Spirit? Let me tell you just a few things. Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a he. When Jesus used or talked about the Holy Ghost, he used the pronoun he. So the Holy Spirit is not a force, is not neuter, is not some impersonal something out there, but is a person. The Holy Spirit is a he. Jesus said he when he comes. He will convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. The Holy Ghost was active in creation. It says, and the Spirit, way back in Genesis 1, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And when he was hovering over the face of the waters, that hovering over the waters is what preceded the creation. Because as he hovered over the waters, God said, let there be light. And the first manifestation of creation, light, came into being after the hovering of the Holy Ghost. That same Holy Spirit that was here today as we worship God was there in the creation of the world. In creation, you could say God the Father was the executive, God the Son, the architect, and God the Holy Ghost, the contractor. God conceived it the Son decreed it. The Spirit executed it. God says, let there be. The Son says, amen. The Holy Spirit does it. When your time to get saved came, God said, it's time. Holy Ghost said, amen. And the Holy Spirit whoosh, touched you. Before any great act of God, you will always find the brooding, hovering presence of the Holy Ghost. The Old Testament and the New Testament you hold in your hand were authored by the Holy Spirit that was here today as we worship God. 
Listen to Simon Peter. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation. It didn't proceed from a man interpreting things in his flesh privately. For prophecy never came by the will of man. Prophecy, this word, never came by the will of a man. But holy men of God spoke as they were moved. And that word moved is powerful in the Greek language. It's the idea of you see a sailboat being being driven by a breeze or a wind. It means that these men of God were borne along by the moving of the Holy Ghost on them. And they, it was not automatic writing like somebody in a trance, but they were borne along by the Holy Ghost who moved on them to prophesy and gave them the words they wrote. All Scripture, said, God, said Paul, is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. The Holy Ghost is a person. He has a mind. Romans 8, 27 says, Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is. The other day I was walking through the living room, and I could tell that Kathy has something on her mind. So I said, what's on your mind? So I'm just thinking about this and that. And this morning when I was going over this one last time, I thought of that and thought, you know how often when I'm getting ready for a church service, I'll say, Holy Spirit, what's on your mind? What's on your mind? I don't ever preach with God's help, but what I don't say first, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to them? Not me. What are you saying to them? You know this congregation. You know these people. You know what they need. What are you saying to them? And invariably, he will put something on my heart that I know was the mind of the Spirit. And what was on his mind today was for me to talk about him. So can you say with me, he's got a mind. And you ought to sometimes say, Lord, uh, Lord, what is on your mind about this situation? Because the Spirit of God has a mind, and he will tell you, impress upon you oftentimes what's on his mind, and help you to know how to pray. Now, he's got a will. The Holy Ghost has a will, just like a person. 1 Corinthians 12, 11 says, but one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing gifts to each one as he wills. So when you got saved, the gifting that God gave to you was, was after what was the will of the Spirit about you. Jeff Wickwire didn't decide to become a preacher. It was the will of the Spirit. He anointed me when I got saved to do this. It was his will. He's got a will for you. His will was that I would be standing up here like this, ministering the Word of God to you, and it's His will for you that you do certain things. He has a will. He has a will just like a person. He has feelings. Ephesians 4.30 says, don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Strong word. It means don't put out the torch. Don't extinguish the torch of the zeal of the first love that God put on your heart through the Holy Ghost. Don't grieve. Don't vex. Don't sadden the Holy Spirit. He's like a person. How many of you are married and you've ever said to, to your spouse, what's the matter? I can tell your feelings are hurt. Well, because you said something or you did something and it hurt my feelings. Holy Spirit's the same way. He said, don't do things that you know are going to sadden or, or, or hurt the Holy Ghost inside of you. Don't grieve him. He can be grieved. He can be lied to. And guess what? He can even be blasphemed. Now, don't ask me to go there because I don't believe Christians lose their salvation through that. 
I believe blasphemed is when somebody never accepts Christ. They continuously resist the ministry of the Spirit of God to their heart. And because they continuously resist, they end up lost. But that's another message. He has relationship with people. I want you to hear this now. Paul, at, at the close of one epistle, said, The fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. The fellowship. Did you know you can fellowship with the Holy Spirit? Did you know that the more you obey God, the more you walk with God, the more you worship Him? He said, I enter His gates with thanksgiving. I come into His courts with praise. If I learn to practice the presence of God, I can fellowship, have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. The fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. That means every day you get up and you give your life to Christ and you get into the Word and you get your mind on heavenly things and throughout the day He will fellowship with you. He'll say, don't go there, don't say that. Go there, say that. Do this, do that. He'll fellowship with you. Y'all hearing me today? I'm wanting us to understand we've got a real person, the Holy Ghost, and we need his anointing moving through this church because we're going to the hill on 35 in the anointing of God. Oh, the Bible says he teaches us. Jesus said he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance everything I said to you. He witnesses to us. The writer of Hebrews said the Holy Spirit also witnesses to us. He prays inside of us. It says he makes intercession according to the will of God. He speaks. Revelation says he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. He's the great power the dunamis power of the church. You know, when I got saved, I got saved in juvenile detention center. A lot of y'all don't know that. I got saved on a sale of narcotics charge. I wasn't a big time dealer. I was a little, I was a little time dealer. There's big squirts, little squirts. I, I just really kind of did it. Not in any big way, but they got me. I got put in juvenile home. I wasn't raised in church. I didn't know what the gospel was. I never heard the gospel. I was raised in an, a, a sort of an intellectual, secular home where we never heard the word, never heard the gospel. I didn't know anything about Jesus but the song that came out around 68, Jesus Christ Superstar, Are You Really Who You Say You Are? And I remember I liked the beat and the tune. I knew nothing about Jesus, nothing at all. Got put into a juvenile home. One day I was skipping school. I was in a 7-Eleven. And I was supposed to be in school, wasn't in there, and as was my custom. <laughs> and I had drugs, and I was hanging out in this little, this little Volkswagen minibus. And the police drove up, said, are you Jeff Wickwire? I said, I don't know, what do you want? <laughs> they said, get in the car. They took me down, they booked me, took my picture. I found that picture this week, took my picture. This scared little guy, sideways took me in. I spent the night there. The next day, they took me down to Harry Hines Juvenile Detention Center. And on the third night that I was there, one of my guards came to my room. And he said, hey, you want to come down the hall and hear somebody talk about Christianity? I said, what's that? He said, oh, it's just church people. I said, I'll come out. I'll get out, do anything. Go hear anybody get out of this room. So they took me down there. About 50 of us guys sitting there. And this Clark Kent-looking Baptist preacher had the black glasses, the slick back hair. I thought, oh my gosh, maybe that cell would have been better. 
sized him up and down. There was a bond on my head. I was headed to the court for a felony, 16 years old. And he shared John 3.16. Nothing spectacular about him, not a great speaker. He just shared John 3.16. The young people, there was a couple of young people with him, had guitars. They sang a couple of gospel songs. I'd never heard a gospel song. And he shared this John 3.16. And as he was talking, something got a hold of me. I didn't know what the ministry of the Holy Spirit was. I didn't know that there was a power, the power of God. I didn't know it. But the Holy Spirit got a hold of me and began to convict my heart. And I knew that what I was hearing somehow was true. And at the end of, the, of, of his little message, he, he gave an invitation. There in the juvenile home. And nobody got up. Nobody. Everybody was looking at everybody else because nobody wanted to get up and be mocked and ridiculed, made fun of. There in the juvenile home because you knew he's going to be gone in a minute and I'm going to be with these guys for days longer. And they're going to mock me, ridicule. I don't want to be the butt of everybody's joke. But God said to me in my heart, you just heard the truth. If you respond to me, I will change your life. If you don't, you're going down a dark road. So they started putting their guitars up. It was a totally dead, useless invitation. Nobody came forward. They were putting their guitars up. He picked up his Bible, and he was walking out the door. And suddenly I was able to stand on my feet. I stood on my feet to my shock because I was very timid, very shy, very withdrawn, very in the shadows kind of person. I stood up, got right behind him, and I said, sir, he stopped me, turned around, and I said, I would like to, and I got about that much out, and I began to cry. I hadn't cried in years. I had watched people get beaten to a bloody pulp and never shed a tear, but something was happening to me. He said, come with me. He took me into another room. I sat down. I had never prayed. I didn't know what it was to pray. I didn't know what prayer was. He said, I'm going to lead you in a simple prayer, Jeff. Are you ready to come to Christ? And I said, yes, sir, I am. And we were in this little, this little room in jail, and I bowed my head, and he led me in the sinner's prayer. And when I came up, everything looked clean. Everything looked pretty. I knew that something had happened to me. A weight was lifted off of me. And I knew that I was forgiven. And, and, and he had a little striped New Testament, little paperback, and he said, take this. And I took it, and I said to my guard, would you leave my light on in the room tonight because I want to read this book. And so he left it on, and I began to read all about Jesus, walking on the water, casting out devils, healing the sick, Sermon on the Mount. I just began to, to pour through the New Testament. And I said that night, Lord, if you can make anything of the mess I've made in my life, I give you my life. All right, fast forward. I got sent away for a year to a boy's ranch kind of thing. I, the, the felony was gone. I have nothing on my record at all. But uh, uh, I got sent away to this ranch on, outside of Austin for about a year. During that year, I had no idea at all I should read the Bible. Nobody had followed up on me. To this day, that man has no idea what happened to me. I looked for him, and his name did not exist in Southern Baptist archives. Couldn't find him. So I began to dabble in Eastern mysticism and Eastern religions, and I got into Zen Buddhism. And I'd go out, like I told, I've told all of you, I'd go out in the fields and meditate on the great rhythm of nature. And I got ants in my pants, and I got a headache, and that's about it. <laughs> but I was, I was looking for the same experience that I experienced in jail. I was looking for the same feeling, because what had happened to me in jail was so powerful. It was just so powerful. And I was looking for that same power, but I didn't know it was found only in Jesus because nobody had taught me. So fast forward again. 
I get out, I go back home, I'm depressed, I can't find my way in life, I don't know what I'm going to do with myself. I had not get past the ninth grade in high school, I didn't know what my future held, and a knock came on the door one day, and standing there at the door was two guys that I used to do drugs with, and they had Bibles in their hands, I thought, uh-oh, and they said, hey, we're going to a Bible study tonight, you want to come? And that sa- I said, you know, I don't know, I, I, I don't know, guys, I appreciate you coming by, Huah. You know how you shut the door on people when they're there to talk to you about Jesus and you're not ready or you think you're not ready? Great to see you. Don't let the door hit you on the way out. God bless you. But I shut the door. I was all alone in my little efficiency apartment. And the Holy Ghost again came in and said, this is my call to you. I'm going to do something in your life. If you don't do it, you're going down a dark road. So I said, okay. I went that night. Long story short, when I went in there, everybody was lifting up their hands, worshiping God. It was long-haired people just like me. I had hair down to here, parted down the middle, in a ponytail, wire rim glasses, 130 pounds, soaking wet. I was a hippie, a hippie of hippies, a real hippie, a real groovy man, out of sight, hippie. I mean, wow, far out. <laughs> and I went that night, and... And I saw that something was on these people. They were just like me, but they weren't just like me because they had tears streaming down their face and they had a relationship with God and there was a presence in that room. And I said that night, Lord, if you'll give me what they have, I'll do anything you tell me to do. He said, say that one more time. If you give me what they have, I'll do anything you tell me to do. He said, got it. And that night, you can call it what you want. The Holy Spirit poured out the filling of the Spirit, the baptism of the Spirit. We won't bother with semantics. It really doesn't matter. The Lord poured his spirit out on my life in a way that just rocked my world. I'm telling you, it just absolutely, I, I had to say to God, God, if you don't stop, I'm going to die. If you don't let up some, I'm going to die. And he kept pouring it out. It was like liquid love. It was like God took off the top of my head and poured liquid love out of heaven down into my heart. It raptured me. It revolutionized me. It changed me. I couldn't believe the whole world was not a Christian. It just absolutely rocked my world. The only reason I'm standing in front of you today is the power of the Holy Spirit. The only reason our church is growing is the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the only reason. <clears throat> and so I know whereof I speak that what we need is the anointing of God. The rest of my message, I'm going to have to leave it alone until next week. I want you to stand up. I started testifying, and it's all over with. And you say, when was that? That was 1971. And the Holy Spirit was moving all over the world, all over America, all over the Dallas-Fort Worth area. And within one year, I was teaching and preaching, and I've been teaching and preaching ever since. Why? The Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. I'm telling you, we need Him. Can we just lift our hands and ask the Holy Spirit to touch us in a fresh and a powerful way? Lord, we need the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit to go with us, to anoint us. We can't do this without Him. Lord, we are nothing in terms of ministry without the power of the Spirit of God. So, Lord, we ask you to breathe a fresh breath of your Spirit upon this church. Now, church, I'm going to ask you, invite him. 
Would you invite him into your life to touch you, to minister to you and through you in a fresh and a living way? Would you invite him as we sing, Holy Spirit, thou art welcome. Holy Spirit, sing it, everybody. You are welcome in this place. Holy Spirit, Omnipotent Father, omnipotent Father, of mercy and grace, of mercy and grace, you are welcome in this place. Father, I pray that our church receives a brand new, fresh anointing. Lord, where you guide, you provide. And we know and we confess to you, we need his power to defeat sin, to glorify Jesus, to reach people. We just want to carry him and him carry us into this new building so that when we declare Jesus in that area, it'll be with power and it'll be with anointing. And it'll be with the convicting presence and the strengthening presence of your spirit. One more time, sing it with me and make this your prayer before we go today. Thank you, Lord.